This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Here's Kathy White. The National Weather Service giving us clouds for today. Temperatures only staying into the mid-30s. This morning had a little issue with some patches of freezing precipitation and maybe some freezing fog. Area emergency services officials, though, reported mainly clear but wet roads remaining for the up to three inches of snow that fell in the region through the day on Sunday. There were a few minor crashes reported, but no serious injuries. Some schools, and especially the outlying areas overnight, had decided to give the road crews a little extra time to get conditions in shape for the school buses. While two-hour delays were called in overnight for Gilbertsville, Mount Upton, Elk Lake, Susquehanna County Career and Technology Center, Montrose Area Schools, Susquehanna Community Schools, and Wayne Highlands. And you can always go to this station's website for a list of the closings and delays. While the region got a taste of winter weather and a tease of the possibility of a white Christmas, the forecasters are keeping an eye on what could be a more problematic system later on in the week. The National Weather Service in Binghamton says, quote, a more significant winter storm is possible Thursday and Friday with a potential for an extended period of snow, possibly mixed with rain in the valleys. With this still being several days away. Specific details are uncertain. Details will be fine-tuned as the upcoming week progresses. The Pennsylvania Department of Transportation began preparing roads in the Commonwealth on Saturday afternoon in anticipation of several inches of accumulating snow yesterday. PennDOT was pre-treating the interstates in District 4, including Susquehanna and Wayne counties, but still ended up reducing the speed limits to 45 miles per hour and restricting commercial vehicle traffic on I-81 through Sunday. PennDOT announced the speed limits had been restored and restrictions lifted by 9.50 last night. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has moved Broome, Tioga, Bradford, and Susquehanna counties in the Twin Tiers into the high category for risk of community transmission of COVID-19. Prior to the weekly revision, the CDC had Broome and Tioga counties moving between medium and low risk, but with the designation of the area as being at high risk for transmission now, health officials are encouraging residents to wear masks in indoor settings and crowded outdoor events to avoid spreading the coronavirus's highly contagious variants. This comes as flu cases are spiking in New York as well as RSV that's been sending hundreds of children and older people to the hospital, straining hospital capacities. With the holidays less than two weeks away, residents have little time to get a vaccination or booster for it to become fully effective in protecting against serious illness. Still, residents are urged to seek out pharmacies and vaccination clinics to get COVID and flu shots as soon as possible. The Broome County Health Department says it has received reports of increased suspected drug overdoses during the past few days. There have been a total of 75 suspected overdose deaths in Broome County to date, compared to 54 deaths last year. The Broome County Opioid Awareness Council is encouraging those with substance use disorder to practice harm reduction strategies like never using alone and having Narcan kits available. In addition, the council is encouraging residents to talk to their health care provider about prescribed medications as the nation is seeing a shortage of products, including Adderall. BOAC says it's important to discuss a safety plan with providers if you are not able to get your medication. 
The felony assault conviction of a man who stabbed two others with a knife during a botched drug deal outside the Johnson City McDonald's almost four years ago will stand. The New York State Supreme Court Appellate Division has upheld the conviction and 10-year prison sentence for 29-year-old Tyler DeCamp, ruling the evidence presented at trial saw sufficient to support the guilty verdicts and the sentence was not excessive. DeCamp stabbed two men on December 20th, 2018 and was found guilty of two counts of first-degree assault, tampering with physical evidence and resisting arrest. The two men were taken to an area hospital for treatment of their wounds. After hearing an explosion and seeing a recreational vehicle smoking in the Cardinal Way Cardinal Circle housing development in the town of Union last week, New York State Police are releasing some grainy surveillance photos of possible suspects. A trooper heard a boom just before 5 a.m. last Thursday and found smoke coming from an RV but no flames. The camper did sustain visible damage. What appears to be two men wearing jackets and sneakers are seen on the surveillance photos. Anyone with information is asked to call the state police at 607 561 the WMBF Twin Tiers forecast cloudy today, a high in the mid-30s, gradually becoming clear tonight with a low in the low teens. Sunny on Tuesday with a high again in the mid-30s. This is where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WMBF, WMBF.com and 92.1 FM. Joseph Live, Monday morning, let's do it. I will now officially open our phone lines at 607-772-1290. If you wish to offer your insights or ask a few questions, call now. It's Bob Joseph Live on News Radio, WNBF. In a crowded city hall. Martha at the dance park on the west side. Good morning, and I uh, hope your weekend was as fantastic as mine. It was fantastic. Saturday was more fantastic than Sunday, but they were still not bad. Not bad at all. It was uh, a lovely, lovely December weekend in upstate America. So my upstate America... Goodwill tour on Saturday. So, in case you were, <laughs> in case you were wondering, yes, yes, that was me. Um, also, just uh, stopped by to see what was going on in Endicott, and uh, everything seems fine there. So, uh, oh, and the other thing is, as uh, I promised, I showed up at the Big Strawberry. 
Well, what big strawberry are you talking about, Raj? You know, it's big strawberry in Owego. So, uh, if you follow us on Twitter, you have seen me posing next to... I guess they call it a big strawberry. Obviously, if it was Joe Biden, he'd call it something else. But Mr. Biden, Mr. Biden is not allowed on this program. <laughs> they call it more than just a big strawberry. It's big. And I guess we're only six months away from the Strawberry Festival, too. So it was kind of nice posing next to the big Owego strawberry a mere six months before the Strawberry Festival. What else is uh, going on here? Let me take a look at the headlines in America's very best paper. Excuse me, the world's very best paper, the New York Times. Your journalists are not currently on strike. Deep discontent in Chinese youth goes past COVID. So it's a story by, let's see, four, not one, or two or three, four New York Times reporters who are not currently on strike about what's going on in China. And apparently young people in China are disenchanted and disgusted about a few things. Uh, not just about COVID restrictions, but also employment opportunities and other factors. So that's the top story in the Times today. And there's a story also above the fold about uh, Louisiana that takes its sweet time at releasing prison inmates. There's a story about a, a guy who had been incarcerated because he was involved in a fight. And then the judge told the guy, Johnny, that he had served his time seven months for being involved in his in that fight and so that was back in May 2018 anyway it took a long time I guess they, I don't know if they finally let him out I guess they finally let him out but it just a weird thing apparently in Louisiana even after you've done your sentence apparently they have difficulty releasing you because of how their prison system works not sure if New York State's prison system works much differently. But um, anyway, that's, that's something that uh, the New York Times focuses on. What else is going on here? Let me just... Oh! In case you uh, didn't see it, they uh, have knocked down most of the IBM Country Club. So if you want to see uh, the latest from what's left of the old IBM Country Club. You can check that out on our website, WNBF.com. And uh, yeah, we have a few things going on. Actually, we have a couple of guests who will be on the program this morning, too. Just, just so you know. Just so you know. So you aren't taken by surprise with the guest. But, of course, we'll take some calls, too, I suppose. Let me see if we have any shocking email. Oh, Jesse was in a Wego. Looked for Jesse. 
over at the Big Strawberry. He wasn't there. He uh, writes an email this morning from a Wego, fair and balanced. It says, over the weekend, after watching all kinds of news, I thought about something. What if CNN and Fox News merge? Now, that's fair and balanced. They might as well, after what I was watching. You know, maybe that's not a bad idea. It's the first time I've heard that mentioned. But... Given the reality of what is going on in the news universe today, it's not that big an audience for cable news most of the time. Most of the time, with cable news, there's a a very small audience. That's why they do the opinion shows on weeknights from 8 to 11. They want to build a regular audience, people who will tune in for their opinionators. And that's why for the biggest hours in news, primetime evenings, uh, Monday through Friday, that's why they don't do news. They do opinion on both CNN and the Fox, and with lesser success on MSNBC. But again, the point is you need some kind of compelling program that will keep people tuning in night after night, and the news just doesn't do it unless there's a huge story and then news audiences spike on all platforms tv radio newspapers and towns that have them and so on but if there's just not a whole lot going on well there's only so many people who are newsaholics and need to get their fix so actually jesse you may be onto something i could actually see And this sounds totally bizarre, but I could see Fox and CNN joining forces, combining their news operations to have a powerful global news presence. CNN has, at the moment, the best global news presence of the bunch. But Fox also has a news footprint. And... uh, Combine them. And also, to really confuse people, combine the opinion show. So put Tucker Carlson on every night at 8 o'clock with Don Lemon, and so on and so forth. So, And people are saying, but Bob, that's an outrage. No, it could actually be interesting. You put on, you combine the opinionators from CNN and Fox and put them on with the person on the other channel. I I think it could be interesting. I'm not saying you would accomplish a lot, but it might be a more interesting program than what we already are treated to most nights. 919, let's go to the phones. Larry in Kirkwood, good morning. Good morning, Bob. I would be very disappointed with Tucker Carlson, if he went out with Don Lemon, what a loser that boy is! No, I think uh, I think that'd be great. In fact, I hope they get married. No, I hope Tucker Carlson and Don Lemon get married. Although, aren't they married now? I don't know. I I really don't know that much about their personal lives, but um, I think that would be fascinating and generate generate a lot of buzz on Twitter. Like it is. 
Well, I think it would be uh, uh, all-to-all argument city because those two have nothing in common. (laughs) So you would think, the truth is, after they get to know each other, I think they might be more similar. Erica, maybe, who knows, maybe, maybe something good could um, become of it. I don't know. Well, I can't see um, Tucker Carlson lowering himself to be with a liberal hack like uh, Don Lemon. Well, let's put it this way. If if a network merge you, brings you lemon, make lemonade. You know, it's, (laughs) why not? Why not? I'll tell you what. I'm not saying that I would watch it consistently, but I would certainly watch the first episode. Yeah, I might consider that if that happens. Why not? Yeah, I mean, let's not prejudge. I know people have their expectations about what would transpire, and maybe we're right, but maybe, maybe it could actually be a compelling program. And I'm not saying with either one changing their views, but it's not necessary. I think, to talk about different points of view. I mean, to fight when you have different points of view. I think I think the two of them have enough broadcasting or enough cable TV experience to have thoughtful conversations, even if they're on opposite sides of an issue. Hmm. I think it would get so hot that one of them would walk off the stage. I don't think so, though. Unless they were doing it just to, for the ratings. If that's the case, that they do it just to get Uh, internet buzz because some people say on some of these programs it's more performance art than anything else that that people who are opinionators maybe they believe in what they're saying or maybe they don't but for the most part they're just entertainers keep people tuning in night after night yeah that could be true yeah anyway we'll see let's have i hope you have a great day okay bless you man 922 WNBF, Ron in Binghamton. Good morning. Good morning, Bob. Say there was so much going on, going through my head over the weekend, thinking about calling you. I'm going to need till the 10 o'clock news. Is that all right? I encourage you. Wait, wait until next hour and try to focus, man. No, that's not what I meant. I want to be on from now until the 10 o'clock news. Well... Sadly, that can't happen because we have callers lined up. Hold on. Let yeah, me I, let me cut loose these callers, and then we'll have more time for Ron. John in Binghamton, what's up? Hey, Bob. You know, uh, the city council and mayors of Binghamton always talk about what's good in tourism and all that stuff. And, indeed, we have a hotel-motel tax that is uh, supposed to uh, promote tourism. I filed a Freedom of Information request, and... Uh, the county is paying $82 per night to house homeless uh, in certain hotels and motels. Uh, now, I'm not against uh, housing the homeless in, in wintertime. Uh, however, I think that visitors to our community need to know uh, where the homeless are, which hotels they're staying at, because they do create uh, problems for people, and you know, you if if you want to uh, give a good impression of the community, uh, then you certainly uh, it begins when people check into their hotel rooms, and uh, I'll, I'll tell you where uh, the homeless are not staying at this point. Uh, they're not staying in Vesto, and they're not staying in the. Uh, 
near the border of Dickinson and Shenango, if, without you know, without naming names. But they are all over, and they're in places in hotel chains where you think they were not. I mean, in other words, they're they're charging you 120, 130, 140 a night uh, to check into these hotels, and they've got homeless people staying in there at $82 a night, paid for by the county. So uh, I think the county legislature is irresponsible. Uh, county executive uh, is not doing anybody any favors by pretending uh, that the homeless doesn't exist and by uh, ignoring the public information uh, that says they're staying here, here, and here. So I think that uh, we need to know, people need to know if their relatives are coming to town, where these homeless are. I know where they are. I know how much is being paid. And I think everybody should have that knowledge. All right. Thank you. I I think I'll look into that and see see what the hotels want to say about their guests special guests in addition to the usual guests 925 ron in binghamton you're back you're still there oh yeah i thought you cut me off at the knees i was oh no no i just didn't want to be rude to the other people who were standing by no i'm i if if you're going to be on till 10 o'clock i can't let people like john from binghamton just you know sit around wistfully wondering what what might be like to talk on the radio boy oh boy you know I was being facetious. I know. I, never I know. I know. This is this is this is called fun radio. Twelve ninety. Even though it's Monday, I can still have fun. If I can't, well, if I can't have fun, what can I have? Yeah. Well, for sure. Hey, speaking of fun, this was a fun thing I did this weekend. I haven't been sleeping that well, so you know, I I went and I took my Mike Lindell pillow. And I, I said, you know, he, he has on his head, he has a patented inside of that pillow that helps you to sleep. So I said, what the heck? And I cut it open. You know what is in the, the, the middle of that pillow? Yeah, recycled crap. I mean, recycled it, foam. No, it's shredded copies of the U.S. Constitution. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Rimshot. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, our work here is done. I can I can call it a week. Here we are, 16 minutes into the week. We've accomplished everything we need to. Everybody drive safely. I'll be back next Monday for another week of fun and frolic with Bob and Run. See you next Monday, Bob. <laughs> As they say, mission truly accomplished. I, I love that. I love that. And the only, the only downside is I didn't come up with it, but I'm glad to give you full credit. I, I think that's great. And I think even, dare I say, Mr. Pillow probably would think it's great. Because I think, say what you will about Mr. Pillow, and you probably will, I still think the guy has a sense of humor. Well, I'm not sure about that. Well, he keeps it well concealed, but... <laughs> oh, oh, okay. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if it turns out that he does have a great sense of humor, and uh, two or three years from now, he's hosting NBC's Tonight Show starring Mr. Pillow? And it turns out, turns out that actually everything that he's done over the last decade truly was performance art simply, simply to sell pillows. We thought that he was actually 
seriously um, in favor of some former guy and was supporting insurrections and unconstitutional uh, actions and violence. And it turns out it was all part of a carefully orchestrated strategy on the part of Mr. Pillow and uh, his beloved Mrs. Pillow to uh, take over the world. And then ultimately, ultimately, it turns out he's... It turns out on The Tonight Show, starring Mr. Pillow, he's actually ten times funnier than Jay Leno, which, by the way, wouldn't be that difficult. Well, you know, Bob, uh, Calvin Coolidge, ex-president, said that the business of America is business. And he may be just a really sharp businessman, uh, Mike Lindell, and he just, you know, he got his pillows uh, sold by um, you know taking a certain tact and hey more power to him he's a, I admire a, him if that's the case and it could be the case see that's that's the thing we and when I say we I mean me I've I believe over the years when it comes to Mike Lindell I believe I've probably jumped to a conclusion about who the guy is and what his motivations are and it's possible I've gotten it all wrong it's po- very possible that my perception of Mr. Lindell is totally off base, and he may, in fact, be a better business person and certainly more slick than, say, even Elon Musk. Wouldn't yeah. that be funny? Wouldn't it be funny if it turns out in the end that it's Mike Lindell who takes over the world, and in five years, it's Mike Lindell? who acquires the smoldering remains of Twitter from Mr. Musk, and then he rebuilds it into something that actually is a great social media platform. And then everything that we thought about Mike Lindell will have to be tossed out. We'll say, actually, Mike Lindell is one of our true heroes. Well, Bob, if Mike Lindell is of that stature, like an Elon Musk or a Jeff Bezos, uh, will you go on Mike Lindell's rocket that uh, will take you up to take a look at the Earth uh, from uh, 100,000 feet or whatever? You know, like Elon did and Jeff did. No. Will you go on Mike Lindell's no. pillow. No. No. The good. The good news. <laughs> the pillow one. Now the good news about or the the thing that's interesting about me, unlike say most elected officials, I'll give you a direct answer, and the answer is no. Oh, I, I kind of thought that. By the way, Bob, you were talking to Larry, and it was interesting. You were talking about Don Lemon with Tucker Carlson. And, you know, going back, I don't know, 10 years or more, there was a show like that. Do you remember Hannity and Combs? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do, and that's why I, I actually think done properly, and it doesn't necessarily have to be the combination of – Tucker Carlson and Don Lemon. How about, let's see, Tucker Carlson and who else would be good? Oh, Rachel Maddow. Oh, I would watch that. And here's the thing. I think, say what you will about either of them, I think they do. each of them has a following in their respective political camps. So, and I know at first, if the idea is presented to either of them, they would be, are you kidding me? I don't want to be in the same building as the other person. And then, after you explain the premise and say, 
Look, here's what we think. Here's what we think. What On your program, whether it's Tucker tonight or Rachel tonight or whatever their programs are on their respective channels, Fox or, or MSNBC, it's a given that you're basically preaching to the choir. A huge part of your audience every night, probably at least 90% of your audience, consists of people who believe in you and people who share your worldview. But, but if we put a combination together of Tucker Carlson and Rachel Maddow, that means people from divergent points of view likely will tune in. Of course, they'll continue to like the person they liked in the first place, and maybe they'll even despise the person who they don't agree with, or maybe everyone will learn a thing or two. If you have a... Can, I'm just saying, try it, try it for even a week. I think, especially now that Rupert Murdoch is turning over, I think he already has turned over day-to-day -day operations of the Fox, and CNN is in the hands of who knows. You know, clearly, somebody who doesn't know what they're doing, so... Now would be a good time, even during the holidays. Well, they don't want to work during the holidays. They're big stars. So, well, say in January, after the holidays, say uh, the first week of 2023, say January 2nd through January 6th, simulcast a single program at 8 o'clock, make it a two-hour program with um, Tucker Carlson and Rachel Maddow, I would watch that, and, may, well, and maybe maybe it would not succeed. Maybe it would be the biggest, most epic disaster in the history of TV. Or maybe, if the two of them try, it could actually be something worth watching. Well, Bob, I think I think you're really hitting on something because there's there's a show. For I'll give you an example. There's a show on at noon. Uh, of course, I don't go to the TV before noon because I'd miss your show. Of course you so don't. At noon, right. At noon, there's a show on Fox. It's called Outnumbered. Now, when they started that show, uh, I liked it because, uh, well, the premise is they have four women and one gentleman in the middle, and he's outnumbered by the women. And they used to have at least one uh, liberal on the show. So they, but, but lately, it is all five people on the show are arch conservatives. And I turn on that show, and if they don't have a liberal on, I turn it off. Not because I want to hear liberals or conservatives. I want to hear them talking back and forth. Now it's an echo chamber. I don't watch the show at noon because they're all of one persuasion, and I don't want to hear people of one persuasion. I want to hear some uh, give and take. Uh, I, I think that would uh, be uh, good for good for ratings. By the way, 1968, going way back, uh, ABC was uh, the um, the the network that didn't have as much of a viewership for the conventions, the Republican and the Democratic conventions. So ABC had an idea to bring together two intellectual arch enemies, William F. Buckley Jr and Gore Vidal. They hated each other to begin with, and they had them on, and they almost came came to physical blows. They had to, and if you go back uh, to YouTube and look up uh, 
Gore Vidal, William F. Buckley debates. On the floor at this first day of the Republican convention, we've heard a few uh, all right speeches and quite a few ho-hum type speeches. We would like now to demonstrate how the English language ought to be used by two craftsmen, our guest commentators. William F. Buckley, Jr., a conservative Republican, columnist and commentator, and one-time candidate for mayor of New York. And Gore Vidal, author of, among other works, John Kennedy's favorite Broadway play, a play about a convention called The Best Man. Anyway, that was the intro, and I'm looking at the two guys there. Of course, William Buckley, William F. Buckley, with his usual sneer and squint, and sort of slumped in his chair as though his mom never told him to sit up straight. Then Gore Vidal looking a little more uh, presentable on TV. But anyway, that was the from 1968, the, the intro. And... Thank you for pointing that out. Now, at least, I know what I'm going to be watching tonight at 10 on YouTube. <laughs> it's fascinating. It, re it really is, Bob. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fascinating. It's not just one show. They bring them back each night, and by the third night, they had to have a, a, a divider between them because they were going to come to blows. But it was fascinating television. Yeah, thank you, because for some reason... Now, maybe I knew this in the past, but I don't think I ever was aware that ABC did this. If I was aware, I forgot about it. So thank you. That's, um, yeah, that shows that something like that can be done. And who knows? I, I think my concept, concept of having Rachel Maddow and Tucker Carlson, maybe do it just for one night. Simulcast it one night. On a Friday night, when viewership traditionally is lower, have each of them on uh, a single program, have it originate from a neutral studio. Actually, so Rachel is with MSNBC, Tucker is with Fox, so have it originate at CNN, and it could be introduced by Don Lemon and Ted Koppel. And they could do that. They could simulcast it on both, um, actually, Simulcast on all th three news channels. Try it. They'll like it. 938 WNBF. WNBF.com coming up. Joanne Hanrahan with some information about a big event this week at the Broome County Public Library. That's next. I'm Bob Joseph on News Radio WNBF. You want? Forty with Bob Joseph at WNBF on your Monday morning. We're joined now by Joanne Hanrahan with the Friends of the Broome County Public Library. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. How are things? Good. Very good. Very busy this morning. We're getting ready for our book sale this week. So, yeah, we got like seven volunteers in here getting our room all set for the sale and having a good time. Great. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks uh, for calling in. Tell us uh, what will be happening this week and how our listeners can take uh, advantage of the opportunity. Well, our member sale begins 9 o'clock in the morning on Wednesday. So from 9 to 12, if you're a member, you get to come in and get first pick. And then member sale is also Thursday from 9 to 3.30. So if you're not a member, our membership is $15 per person. Uh, that's for a whole year. 
seniors and students are $10, and for your whole family to come in, it's $25. Our hardcover books are a dollar, paperbacks are 50 cents, and kids' books are 50 cents and 25. And I have to tell you, I want to give a big shout out to all of our people who donate books and puzzles. It's just been absolutely amazing how many books we have, but we've got old books, we have reference books, we have a whole set of books somebody absolutely loved the sea, and it's on the the stories of the sea, treasury stories of the sea, a speck on the sea, there's books on the sail books, on the ships on the sea, so if there's anyone that is interested in any of that, we have probably here like about 40 books. I've got um, books that are written by uh, Millman, Gibbon, Rome, Millman's, Millman's, I don't know, Millman's, Gibbon's, Rome. It looks like it's a six-volume set. It's an old set. People love these things. And then I have um, Winston Churchill's World War. Uh, and that, that is also a six-volume set. So if, if that is kind of the thing that you love, we got it. We have books on sports, religion, history, literature, and poetry, bunches of puzzles. If you need puzzles for this winter, please come in. Our bookshop is open um, all the hours of our sale. And uh, Diane O'Neill is the manager of our bookshop, and uh, all of the books in the bookshop are half price during our sale. And I'm, I'm kind of out of breath because this we have to get everything done today and tomorrow for our sale. Are you going to have enough time to get ready? <laughs> Absolutely. All right. And I was going to say, if you oh, need help, I'll, I'll stop down. Yeah. Stop down and help us out. Uh, if there is anybody who is sitting at home and you're bored and you don't know what to do with yourself on Monday and Wednesday morning, um, we sort from 9 to 12. And we have a lot of fun. Um, nobody gets fired. We all, we, all, we all figure out where the books should go, where they shouldn't go. And we just have a lot of fun. Um, it really is a social, you know, for three hours we socialize. We talk about what's going on. Um, we actually, I was listening to uh, the conversation previously. We have books on Gore Vidal in our, in our book sale very often, and they go like crazy. Um, and all of those, uh, the history and politics, wow. those, those things go. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe I will pop down. Actually, today I can't pop down to help you because they told me this <laughs> afternoon, right after I'm done with the talk show, I have to drive out to cover a story. So I I, I already am, have a commitment for this afternoon. Okay. But I might, who knows, maybe I can stop by later in the week. So, again, to recap, the fun begins when? What day? Wednesday morning at 9. Oh, and I almost forgot. Bob, we do this every year. It is our Yola Book of Flood, the flood of books for Christmas. Oh, that's right. I remember last year, but yeah, I almost forgot to ask you if that was going to happen this year. Yes, it's our annual Yola Book of Flood, and it means a flood of books. It began in Iceland, and the the story is, is that you buy a book, for every single friend, neighbor, family, child in your community as a Christmas gift because those books would get them through the long, hard winter when they can't get out, 
uh, because of the snow, the cold, whatever, but everybody could bundle up by the fireplace and have a book to read. So if you come in and give me any rendition of Yolda Book of Food, even if you come in and say, is this a flood of books? We can say yes. You are going to get a coupon that is a dollar off in our bookshop, and um, we just make it a lot of fun. People come in and they try to say Yolda Book of Food, and we all laugh, and it's just fun. So. Come on in, buy a flood of books that you can give to everybody. You can't beat it for a dollar a hardcover, 50 cents for a paperback. You could come in and you'd have a gift for everybody for less than $15. Excellent. Joanne Hanrahan, thank you so much. I hope you have a, a great day and a great week. Thank you very much, Bob. And I really appreciate you getting me on your show whenever I have a book sale. It's been crazy. Um, We've been doing uh, great work here at our library, so thank you very much. And again, thank you to everyone who comes to our sales, and thank you for the the thousands of books that everyone donates to us. Please keep them coming. We're going to have 14 book sales next year. And we'll keep people posted. Keep them them coming. Thank you very much, Bob. Thank you. 947 Live and Local, Bob Joseph, serving the community on News Radio, WNBF 921 FM, 1290 AM, and always available on the free WNBF app. Hi. I'm- with a theme song. I think I would watch it. Mr. Pillow, weeknights at 10. Nine fifty one with Bob Joseph at News Radio WNBF. Sorry for the distractions. Just, um, wow, it is the holiday season now. And I know that because we're... Get a big snowstorm. Ah, it's just great. Another 50 inches, sure. 60 inches, no problem. People in Newark Valley are probably saying, oh, no. (laughs) Here's the official forecast from your weather service. Cloudy today, 35, mostly cloudy this evening. Gradual clearing overnight, 12. Seriously, that's not a typo. 12. Sunny tomorrow, 34. Sunny Wednesday, 32. And then snow and rain Thursday and Friday. We'll keep you posted, don't you? Worry about a thing. Do you want a car? Get a car. Or some other reliable vehicle right now at Miller Motors on the Parkway in Vestal. Miller Motors, 4455 Vestal Parkway East, directly across from Binghamton University. They have new Hondas, new Hyundais. If you want the complete information, just stop in. And a member of the Miller Auto Team will provide the details you need so you can be riding away in a Honda or a Hyundai as soon as possible. Yes, there may even be vehicles coming in in the coming days that haven't already been claimed. 
So, now is the time for everyone to get reliable transportation. Try to get something reliable before all that snow and rain later this week. Miller Motors, they also have a delightful used vehicle inventory, which you can explore online at MillerAutoTeam.com. So go online, MillerAutoTeam.com, if you're interested in a used vehicle or perhaps something new. Get all the details. If you want more information, they have information online. MillerAutoTeam.com or stop in at Miller Motors on the Parkway in Vestal. They'll be open tonight till 7. It's 9.53. Bob Joseph on WNBF. Individual rate. It's 9.56 WNBF with Bob Joseph. Lots of things going on this week and all month, and WNBF is committed to covering the events of our community. If you have some kind of event that you think needs additional attention, perhaps a little scrutiny in the WNBF spotlight, send it to bob at wnbf.com. The other thing is, too, even if it's not an event, maybe it's just something going on, something that they want to keep secret. Well, the worst thing in America is to keep secrets. Don't keep secrets. If you know something that is supposed to be kept secret, send the information to bob at wnbf.com. Remember, we keep our contributors' names anonymous. So if you have secret information, just send it to Bob at WNBF.com. I'll do the rest. Individual Joseph live and in living color on a Monday morning at WNBF Binghamton. It's 10 o'clock. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White. The National Weather Service giving us clouds for today. Temperatures only staying into the mid-30s. This morning had a little issue with some patches of freezing precipitation and maybe some freezing fog. Area emergency services officials, though, reported mainly clear but wet roads remaining for the up to three inches of snow that fell in the region through the day on Sunday. There were a few minor crashes reported, but no serious injuries. Some schools, and especially the outlying areas overnight, had decided to give the road crews a little extra time to get conditions in shape for the school buses. While two-hour delays were called in overnight for Gilbertsville, Mount Upton, Elk Lake, Susquehanna County Career and Technology Center, Montrose Area Schools, Susquehanna Community Schools, and Wayne Highlands. And you can always go to this station's website for a list of the closings and delays. While the region got a taste of winter weather and a tease of the possibility of a white Christmas, the forecasters are keeping an eye on what could be a more problematic system later on in the week. The National Weather Service in Binghamton says, quote, a more significant winter storm is possible Thursday and Friday with a potential for an extended period of snow, possibly mixed with rain in the valleys. With this 
this still being several days away. Specific details are uncertain. Details will be fine-tuned as the upcoming week progresses. The Pennsylvania Department of Transportation began preparing roads in the Commonwealth on Saturday afternoon in anticipation of several inches of accumulating snow yesterday. PennDOT was pre-treating the interstates in District 4, including Susquehanna and Wayne counties, but still ended up reducing the speed limits to 45 miles per hour and restricting commercial vehicle traffic on I-81 through Sunday. PennDOT announced the speed limits had been restored and restrictions lifted by 9.50 last night. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has moved Broom, Tioga, Bradford, and Susquehanna counties in the Twin Tiers into the high category for risk of community transmission of COVID-19. Prior to the weekly revision, the CDC had Broom and Tioga counties moving between medium and low risk, but with the designation of the area as being at high risk for transmission now, health officials are encouraging residents to wear masks in indoor settings and crowded outdoor events to avoid spreading the coronavirus's highly contagious variants. This comes as flu cases are spiking in New York as well as RSV that's been sending hundreds of children and older people to the hospital, straining hospital capacities. With the holidays less than two weeks away, residents have little time to get a vaccination or booster for it to become fully effective in protecting against serious illness. Still, residents are urged to seek out pharmacies and vaccination clinics to get COVID and flu shots as soon as possible. The Broome County Health Department says it has received reports of increased suspected drug overdoses during the past few days. There have been a total of 75 suspected overdose deaths in Broome County to date, compared to 54 deaths last year. The Broome County Opioid Awareness Council is encouraging those with substance use disorder to practice harm reduction strategies like never using alone and having Narcan kits available. In addition, the council is encouraging residents to talk to their health care provider about prescribed medications as the nation is seeing a shortage of products, including Adderall. BOAC says it's important to discuss a safety plan with providers if you are not able to get your medication. The felony assault conviction of a man who stabbed two others with a knife during a botched drug deal outside the Johnson City McDonald's almost four years ago will stand. The New York State Supreme Court Appellate Division has upheld the conviction and 10-year prison sentence for 29-year-old Tyler DeCamp, ruling the evidence presented at trial saw sufficient to support the guilty verdicts and the sentence was not excessive. DeCamp stabbed two men on December 20th, 2018 and was found guilty of two counts of first-degree assault, tampering with physical evidence, and resisting arrest. The two men were taken to an area hospital for treatment of their wounds. After hearing an explosion and seeing a recreational vehicle smoking in the Cardinal Way Cardinal Circle housing development in the town of Union last week, New York State Police are releasing some grainy surveillance photos of possible suspects. A trooper heard a boom just before 5 a.m. last Thursday and found smoke coming from an RV but no flames. The camper did sustain visible damage. What appears to be two men wearing jackets and sneakers are seen on the surveillance photos. Anyone with information is asked to call the state police at 607 561 The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast cloudy today, a high in the mid-30s, gradually becoming clear tonight with a low in the low teens. Sunny on Tuesday with a high again in the mid-30s. This is where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WMBF, WMBF WMBF.com and 92.1 FM.
It's the Real Bob Joseph live on a Monday morning. You're listening to News Radio WNBF. Give us a call 607-772-1290 if you have something you'd like to talk about. Monday, and um, I don't know where the weekend goes. I, I was just leaving here on Friday saying, oh, great, the weekend's here, so I can uh, just hang out and have fun, which I did Friday night. So Friday night I had fun, and then Saturday, of course, had fun with my Upstate America Goodwill tour. Said hi to all the people, you know, around um, the Finger Lakes because we're big up in the Finger Lakes. So it was up around, um, you know, Cuca Park and some of those places, just, you know, spreading goodwill because that's what people want spread this time of year, pretty much. And, um, you know, it was fun. Saw some dogs. You know, some people bring their dogs out these days, and it's great. And they're conversation starters, so I just, hey, can I take pictures of your dog? And they're, yeah, I guess there's nothing we can do about it. So I spent you know, a better part, not all of Saturday, but part of Saturday taking pictures of dogs and having canine conversations, so that was fun. So... You know, busy all day Saturday uh, in the Finger Lakes region. Then Sunday I decided, well, it's not going to be so nice. So I'll just go down to a Wego and pose next to their big strawberry in the middle of the snow. And so if you follow us on Twitter at Binghamton Now, you saw me talking about the snow in a Wego and how it's only six months left till Strawberry Festival. So that was my weekend. And before I knew it, I was back here. That's the way it goes. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. And before you know it, you know, I'll be in Times Square telling Ryan Seacrest what's in on New Year's Eve because the kid, the kid is bright, but he still needs cue cards. So I'll be the, I'll be the cue card boy for Ryan Seacrest. If you watch him on ABC, of course, he, he is smooth because of the guy who holds the cue cards. They never show me in the shot, though. So I'll be the cue card boy when Ryan Seacrest is getting all the glory at the end of the year. That's okay. I don't, I don't expect. I don't expect accolades. Stand 12, Bob Joseph on WNBF. Something special is coming up this month, and we will have a preview of that in just a moment. We're live and local on a Monday morning on News Radio, WNBF, WNBF.com. We're at 921 FM, 1290 AM, and always available on the free WNBF app. For 15. Ten fifteen at WNBF, WNBF.com. I'm Bob Joseph on a Monday morning, and Mark Stanley joins us here in the studio to tell us about something very special that is coming up this weekend with the Binghamton Downtown Singers. Mark, welcome to WNBF. Good morning, Bob. How are you? Great. Good. Great. And um, a holiday tradition is able to... Um, Resume. I think people will be uh, excited to hear 
what's going to take place this Saturday in Johnson City. Well, it is a special event. Uh, this is our, our 40th year of being the downtown singers and we traditionally have been able to pro provide the messiah uh written by handel um as a christmas uh celebration and so we're able to go back to our roots and go back to doing the entire messiah again um we'll be doing that on saturday at 7 30 uh at the sarah jane johnson methodist church on main street in johnson city and for people not familiar with the downtown singers, many of our listeners know this story, but some don't. Give us a, a little background, a little bit of history of the Binghamton downtown singers and, and basically how the organization got to where it is after four decades. Well, it was originally started by the late Alan Crabb, who was probably pretty well known in the area, along with Reverend Miller from uh, uh, the uh, it's now the it's now the uh, the, um, the landmark church downtown, and they began to start the uh, the system back in eight, the eighties, maybe the late seventies. Uh, in any case, uh, it's grown. Uh, it's it passed the baton was passed after Alan passing uh, to his widow, who is our artistic director, Marissa Crabb. and we've continued that, and it's grown through the years. People have left. But at the same time, we gather new members every year. So over 40 years, uh, we've had hundreds of people sing the Messiah. It's it, To me, it is just incredible to experience. Um, I've, I don't know how many times I've, I've attended, several times. I, I would say probably about a half dozen times. And all, all of the performances I, I enjoyed were at the forum. And just the... It, to me, that's when the holiday season truly begins in Binghamton, in our area, with this special performance. It's such a, I think it's such a gift that community residents give to their neighbors. We have a, a we enjoy doing it. Um, we have people who have sung this from the very beginning, from the very first year that Alan and Reverend Miller organized it, uh, to the point where we have some that have sung it. 40 times, and some who are singing it for their very first time this year. We have about 10% of our membership this year are, are new members. And so they're learning as they go along, um, but they're finding that it's, it's such a joy to sing this uh, on an annual basis. And I see that there are seven soloists who will be performing this year. So I think that's exciting, and I, I imagine people will look forward to hearing them as part of the overall presentation. Yeah, this, this is a celebration for us. Uh, it's our 40th anniversary, so we've, we've invited not just the normal four soloists that we have, but these are all soloists. We have seven this year all of whom have sung this in prior years. So some have come back after several years away. Um, they are all internationally and nationally known opera singers. Um, they are fabulous performers. And so they will be singing the solos. And then it's the community of 95 or so of us who will be <laughs> filling in the gaps and singing the choruses along with an orchestra, which is all professional. Uh, the orchestra makes up uh, primarily of uh, Binghamton Philharmonic members uh, and others from the uh, local professional union. Uh, and then the rest of us are all volunteers. <laughs> 
And tell me how you got involved, because I, I think your story is uh, not atypical. A lot of a lot of people wind up getting involved, I think, in the, the same way you did. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, the way I did it was uh, the way many of us have done it, uh, which is I attended the Messiah. Uh, it was back when it was at the Forum. And uh, sitting in the audience, first of all, awed at how, how beautiful it was. And then secondly, it was like, I can do that. And so that's when I when I joined the uh, the downtown singers, and I've been doing it now for about ten years. And I trust that you, as the the other singers, always look forward to December. We do. Uh, we start rehearsals uh, in the middle of September, and we rehearse on Sunday evenings. Um, and then we also do a spring concert. So it sort of goes for the for the the nine months. You know, we skip the summer. Uh, but we're always looking for new members, and the best part is our new members don't have to read music. They don't have to be professionals in any way. Um, they'll learn it as they go along, just like all of us do. And if you've never attended, the, the odds are that uh, you will recognize one or more of the people who will be uh, participating this Saturday night. <laughs> Most definitely. <laughs> Is it advisable for people to obtain tickets in advance, or, or should people just feel free to um, buy tickets uh, at the door at, at uh, before the performance Saturday night? They can do either. Uh, we have tickets online at BinghamtonDowntownSingers.org, uh, or they can buy them at the door. Uh, they're $20, and if you have uh, family members who are in our students uh, from college down, uh, we offer one free ticket for each paid ticket sold. So uh, it's another way for us to bring younger folks into, uh, into watching beautiful choral music. Sounds great. Anything else you want to add? Just uh, we hope everyone would enjoy coming out and, and hearing this concert. It's, it's a beautiful concert, and with, with the additional soloists, it's, it's going to be marvelous. Um, it's 7.30 on Saturday evening, the 17th, at Sarah Jane Johnson Church on Main Street in Johnson City. Uh, we're looking forward to having uh, Marissa direct us, and we're looking forward to having a wonderful concert, and we hope everyone would join us. Appreciate your coming in. And again, more information is available at downtownsingers.org. If you want information, ticket information, or other information about uh, the Binghamton Downtown Singers, downtownsingers.org is uh, the place to obtain it. Mark Stanley, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Bob. It's 1023. This is News Radio WNBF and WNBF.com. Hi. WNBF. The night will be arriving in several hours. Although it's December, so now I think about it, (laughs) sadly in December, night seems to arrive around 4.30 p.m. But on the bright side, after another 10 days, then we'll start to revert back to um, sunset happening later and later and later until finally that's we look forward to june when we have um 
still daylight at, at 9, 10 in the evening. That's that's what I look forward to. 607-772-1290 is our hotline at WNBF. Look forward to speaking with you. Let's start this segment with Dave Investel. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Bob. Hey, you know, this isn't what I wanted to talk about, but I, I just thought about it because I, I saw it over the weekend. One of the best Christmas songs performance I've seen ever, the video, um, uh, Bing Crosby and Bowie doing uh, Little Drummer Boy. Bob, isn't that great? I could watch that a it's still, times. I, I, I could too. Well, not a million, but but at well, least <laughs> at least a dozen. And uh, I mean, I get bored quickly, but it is. And and thank you for reminding me. That's that's one of the most. <sighs> there's so many words that come to mind. It's very special. Plus, I I don't even know the backstory. I might have read the backstory how that happened. I still. I still can't believe it ever happened that Bing Crosby, Bing Cosby, no, it's Bing Crosby. Crosby. I always get the guy with the sweater mixed up, and I, I don't want to get the two of them. So Bing Crosby, <laughs> <laughs> the question you ask yourself certainly is, gee, how could you possibly do that? But you, you have to, you have to be living in my world to understand how that's possible. But yeah, it's always always confusing how how the two of them ever got together in the same studio to do that and that's i think just one of those truly remarkable pieces of music that that you never i don't think you ever would have expected that before it actually was uh released yeah you're right but it was beautiful i mean <laughs> you would never picture those you would never think of anything like that so every time i see it or hear it I, i'm amazed well and the um, funny thing about about that is, and I hope people don't take it the the wrong way, is I'm not a fan of that song. I, I think when I was a kid around the Christmas season, if that's what they called it, the holiday season, I guess they called it, the, uh, um, I guess I heard it so much that I start, I started to get really tired of, of the basic song, but then when that came out in 1977, it was like, wow, wow, who, <laughs> yeah. who on yeah. on the planet would would ever? And then now, I just punched up on the internet, and um, there's a story that the CBC did just um, about five years ago about the the story of the strangest Christmas duet ever. So I'm going to wind up at some point, you know, probably later today. Uh, reading the entire background about how it happened, how that collaboration occurred. Uh, great, Bob. Hey, re real quick here. The main reason why I called, um, I, I thought you'd be interested in this um, little tidbits from uh, I was reading over the weekend um, from Woodstock, and you being a, a music connoisseur too, I, I thought you'd get a kick out of it. Um, no one would argue or, or be surprised that Jimi Hendrix was top paid at Woodstock at eighteen grand. But would you ever guess who would you guess was second, Bob, at fifteen grand? I don't think I would have never guessed him. I can't even. I, I I won't make a guess. I know whatever you tell me will shock me. <laughs> well, blood, sweat, and tears. I, I wouldn't. Really, with David Clayton yeah. Thomas? 
Yes. Well, they yes. were big. They were big in 1969. Right. Guess who wasn't big then, though, Bob? Because here's the biggest surprise of the whole list. I get down to, where is he? Uh, 26th. Santana was paid $750. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Carlos Santana got 700 bucks for, for the Woodstock appearance? Come on, man. Yeah, no, I know, Bob, and I was shocked. So I did some digging. I Come to find out, his first album was released just two weeks before Woodstock. So he really was, he wasn't really heard of much then yeah. at that time. He was just He was just getting going, you know? So, well, a lot of interesting things. How about, you got to know this, too, about Iron Butterfly, who did not show up. They were asked to play there. They were to be paid ten grand, Bob. Now, think of them. Ten grand, but only 5000 was for the uh, uh, performance. The other 5000 was for their light show. Now, think back in 69. They had to be some high-tech great. They're going to give them five grand for their light show? I, I, I'd like to look that. I'd like to see it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, those those are some very interesting little factoids. So, yeah, yeah, you you just never know. Yep. Beatles, too, they refuse. You know why they refuse to play? You know the reason why? Well, I think I read, but I I have since forgotten. Promoters promoters wouldn't allow um, Yoko to sing with the band, so the band said no. Well, nothing against Yoko, and I have to watch out, because Yoko, for all I know, could be hanging out on her property in Delaware County right now and listening to this fine program, so I need to choose my words carefully. Nothing against you, Yoko, but I, uh, in this particular case, I agree with the, with the guy who made that decision. And again, please, please don't take it the wrong way because you certainly are a wonderful person, but I, I think in that particular case, the, the person who made that decision knew what he was thinking or knew knew what he wanted for that particular thing that was for woodstock you know for any other event in 1969 i would have said yoko of course we want you i mean say if the beatles if the beatles had performed without yoko at woodstock i would have said then they should come to Union Endicott High School at Ty Cobb Stadium the following weekend and perform with Yoko Ono. And that that would have made it okay. Two more quick points, Bob, real quick. Doors, the Doors were asked to play there, and when they interviewed Robbie Krieger, the guitar the guitar player for the Doors, they asked him, why did you turn it down? And he said, because we were stupid. Well, at least he was honest. <laughs> and Zeppelin, they refused. Instead, they played the weekend. They played a concert at Asbury Park in New Jersey. Oh, really? Oh, well, yeah. You oh, never yeah. know. Yep. All right. Have a good one, Bob. <laughs> Thanks. A lot of information packed into that short phone call. Thank you, Dave. Music and more. And we'll maybe we'll do a Music and More Friday. Actually, let me... This is not etched into stone, but let's say, just for planning purposes, let's say we'll do a music and more program on Friday of next week, December 23rd, okay? Unless I change my mind, but that's my plan. So if you love music, let's plan on music and more 
Friday on December 23rd, and that way we could learn, we could all learn about music. There is so much to learn about music from over the years, so if you have some specific um, music trivia, fascinating information that many of us may not already know, plan on using it uh, Friday of next week. We'll call it Music and More. I'll say forget, but I... I don't think I'm going to forget. I think that would be fun. To the town of Dickinson, Beverly. Good morning. You're on the air. Hi. I'm Beverly number two from the town of Dickinson. Hi. I heard I heard there are at least eight other Beverly's in the town of Dickinson, too. <laughs> eight, eight who have yet to call but are planning to in the next few days. Yeah. Anyway, the reason I'm calling is um, I watched over the weekend the story of the writing of Silent Night. And it was an absolutely beautiful story. And, of course, Bing Crosby was one of the first people in the United States to sing that song. But also the most moving part was in 1914 when the United States and Germany declared a truce for one night. One soldier from the United States had his rifle, put a white flag on, and walked across the distance between the two armies. And one of the... The German shoulder says, don't shoot, don't shoot. And he took his rifle, put a white flag on it, and he walked across. And the two countries declared a truce for one day. And they sang Silent Night. And they played soccer, and they had a really good time. That was so moving. So who showed the story of Silent Night? What channel was that on? You know, I don't even know. I was looking through the channels to find something to watch because I wasn't interested in a lot of things that were on. But it was an absolutely beautiful story. And it was quite long, at least an hour or maybe an hour and a half. And um, So I'm not really sure what channel it was on, but it was just such a beautiful story. And I'm sure a lot of people remember that particular incident of the truce for one night and a song that meant so much to the world. It's yeah, well, a song well, thanks. That's sung all over the world. Well, thanks for calling in. I'll I'll look that up because I I haven't seen that. I was a, a bit familiar about the origins, but I I would certainly uh, enjoy watching watching the program that you uh, were able to see. So thank you I for did. mentioning that. I want to mention one more thing: the uh, light show at Ottenengel Park. I mean, that's a marvelous thing, and it's great that so many people have taken part in it, but do you know what the traffic is like trying to get across the Beer Street Bridge at 6.15 on Saturday night? Is it bad? Yes. There's bumper-to-bumper cars coming up Front Street, down Front Street, and I'm just a little person trying to go across the Beer Street Bridge. And it's really bad. But I think it's wonderful. I hope people don't, you know, take this wrong. But um, maybe they need some kind of a traffic uh, adjustment there for, you know, us poor people trying to go across the bridge. Well, that's interesting. I I had not heard anything about the volume of traffic. I'm not surprised now that you mention it, but I right. I uh, hadn't heard anybody tell me about it. The um, What that brings to mind, do you remember... What were they giving out? They giving out candy bars. County was giving out some something. They were distributing something over at Otsingo Park. Uh, I think last year, 
and it created a traffic nightmare. Yeah, it, it was they worse. Out? Um, so the week I was coming home the same way, fireworks night. I was stuck on Bevere Street Bridge for quite a while before I could get to Front Street because of all the cars turning into Ottsenangle Park. Huh. And you know, you just have to take a turn, and hopefully, you hope that somebody will let you in so you can go straight to Front Street and not into the park. It's really the night of the fireworks. Oh, my goodness. It was bad. Yeah. So, actually, they weren't giving out candy. They were giving out COVID test kits. That's what it was. It was last January. I had to look up the story because uh, it's been so long ago. It was nearly a year ago, January 5th, and they were giving out uh, the COVID home testing kits. Remember that? And that yes. created a, a traffic yes. jam, not just on Bevere Street, but all streets, Front Street, Shenango Street, every, well, I think even cars were backing up on the highway a bit because everybody wanted to get their COVID rapid test kit. Boy, times weren't good early this year. I didn't like that. I mean, I, I went and covered the story. The only way I could get to the park because of all the traffic i had to sneak in the back way i didn't even know there was a back way to get into the park but i thought to myself if i want to cover the distribution of the covid test kits i have to figure some way into the park because if i waited for the traffic jam to um to subside then all the test kits would be gone and then there wouldn't be much of a story but but yeah that was uh, january 5th of this year that uh, they had a huge traffic problem because of the test kit distribution shows how far we've come in less than a year yes but uh, i don't know like i said if there's something they could do if they could have some kind of traffic yeah. person there um directing the traffic or something it's really i hmm. mean bumper-to-bumper cars and to try to go straight when everybody else is trying to go in the park and they're coming up Front Street, they're coming down Front Street, they're coming from two, three directions to get into that park. And it's wonderful that the community is going there and taking advantage of such a beautiful event. But the traffic... (laughs) So, I don't know. All right. well, thanks for mentioning it. Maybe I'll go up there and and help direct traffic if if they need my help all right well thank i'd appreciate it (laughs) thanks for calling in beverly hope you have a great day you too thank you 1042 bob joseph on your side on news radio wnbf phone number 607-772-1290 if you have thoughts about traffic or some other things i welcome your participation you can also send an email to Bob at WNBF.com. At News Radio 1245, Bob Joseph live on News Radio WNBF on the air at 921 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com.
Let's go back to phones. John in Windsor, good morning. Yeah, good morning there, young fella. Uh, I was just listening there. You had Beverly number 2 calling in about that silent night. Yes. That program was on, it's the local channel. It's on like uh, BIX or something. Oh, CW? Was it CW? It's it's one of them. The the letters are WBIX, I think, or something similar to that. WBXI. Or yeah, I whatever think is that is called CW or something. Yeah. I'll have to because uh, I, I think I know the guy. Show. Yeah, you said it's and, good. Oh, uh, it's excellent. If you want to know the history of the music and uh, and one other thing, if you want to pass the word to her, there's a World War II movie, Silent Night. That's excellent to watch. It's pretty much is based on a true story based on pretty much the same premise as The Truce on Christmas Eve. And it's an excellent movie, but you can't really find it anyplace. To, mm. It used to be on television, and for some reason, uh, maybe because it was too patriotic or something, that they took it off the air. <laughs> but it is on, like, you probably buy the disc or right. something. So I'm and, looking at uh, the Internet. So the Silent Night, A Song for the World... Is that what it was called, Silent Night, A Song for the World with yeah. Kelly Clarkson? Yeah. No, no, I don't think she had anything to do with it. Yeah. Well, it says it was on the CW. It says the, the musical yeah, documentary fact, will re-air on the CW November 26th, and then an encore presentation was set for December 8th at 8 p.m. Was that a Thursday? Yep. yep. That's it. Okay. You got it. All right, so at least now and I know. I say that, that in the TV show... Uh, it was it was actually on TV, but it was a movie, Silent Night, and it was based on a, a incident in World War II where they pretty much had a truce. Excellent movie. Uh, why they don't show it anymore at Christmas time, I have no clue, but I can only surmise. Mm, could be a rights issue too. Sometimes when yeah. when things just disappear from TV after they've been on for a while, could be whoever. Yeah. Held the the rights, wanted more money or whatever. I mean, sometimes yeah. it's complicated. I'm looking at yeah. some of the reactions from people who saw the um, the Silent Night documentary, and one woman wrote on a website called Deadline.com, which is sort of a an entertainment or a Hollywood type website with information like this. And she said, "I love this beautiful presentation." And she said, I would love for my family to see this beautiful show so yep. they'll feel the warmth of the love for the people of our wonderful world. So sounds like uh, a very uh, appropriate program. Hopefully yep. they'll show it again before uh, the end of the month. Yeah. And, and, and if you can, if you can probably on your computer. Some I, I say I can't spell the word computer, but uh, you could probably Google that up, that the movie, and... Uh, if you ever get a chance to get the, the CD of it, or excellent. Well, thanks for the information. I, I do appreciate <laughs> one, it. One, one other tidbit of information. You know, you were, they were talking about the lights down at Otsuningo Park. And yes. Somebody was telling me, I don't know how true it is, but uh, they got the light display with a police car there with a pig in it. Really? Yeah, that's what I heard. Yeah. I don't know. That sounds uh, maybe if it was Christopher Ray or something, I could understand it. Yeah, but, I don't. Uh, I don't know. That's. Uh, I'd like to know what's up with that. If yeah, if that's I, accurate. I, you know, but yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know how accurate it is myself, but maybe somebody else has seen it. I 
All right. Well, hey, thanks okay. for the info. Hope you have a great day. Okay, you too, sir. Ten fifty. This is Bob Joseph on News Radio WNBF WNBF dot com, and we'll take your calls. By the way, if you're new to the uh, broadcast, we do this every weekday morning from nine to noon, and we can talk about almost anything. Almost anything, as you might expect, because the station is licensed by the federal government. We probably can't talk about everything, but we can talk about most things. So if you have a desire to speak about certain issues that you think are important, whether it's local or national, feel free. Just feel free to do it. 607-772-1290. Or send an email to Bob at WNBF.com. If you own a... Bob Joseph live on WNBF at 10:54. This is News Radio for America and for the world. There is a, a student missing from the St. John Fisher. So, very odd story. According to the uh, reports, he attends St. John Fisher University. 22-year-old Ken DeLand Jr. is missing. According to a story in the New York Post... He was studying abroad in France, and now his family is really, really worried that something terrible may have happened. So, uh, Ken Deland Jr., student at St. John Fisher in Rochester, last contacted his folks on November 27th. He was using some sort of app. The last time his phone pinged was November 30th. So, it's just strange. Strange. 22-year-old guy says, according to bank statements, the guy made a purchase at some store on December 3rd for $8.40. I don't know what you can buy in France for eight forty. I'm guessing not much. So, the family says on a special website that We fear the worst, and we want him to be located. So, it is... I saw some reference to this on... I guess it was on a website on Saturday. Very strange. Very strange. 
So Kenny DeLand Jr., who is a senior at St. John Fisher University in Rochester, his parents said um, he was heading to a train in France. He left a home where he had been staying in France and heading for a train. His father, Ken DeLand, was on ABC's Good Morning America this morning to uh, discuss the situation and try to get some sort of... Um, information about the whereabouts of of kenny we've created a, a a facebook post and we've created a website www.findkendeland.com and we're hope hoping that that helps get the word out and and help us bring our our son back can't even begin to imagine if you're a parent what you would be thinking if if your 22-year-old son, who was studying abroad, hasn't been heard from now in several days. As they say, they are worried that something really bad happened. Maybe he's okay. Maybe he just went out on his own. I could see that as a possibility. College senior going out on his own and, for whatever reason, not informing his folks that he was going to do it but certainly certainly would not be the thing you would want if you wanted to go out and explore france on his own seems like he would have uh, let his mom and dad know that he was planning to do that and he's a friendly outgoing college student uh young man he loves to travel so this trip has been something that he's really looked forward to and enjoyed hmm So it just seems like a, a really big mystery. So there's no indication that anybody around here would know Kenny DeLand Jr., but if you do, and if you have any idea, of course, as, as we mentioned, they have set up a website as they try to collect af uh, collect some sort of tips or information to locate their son. Looked like he had left for a trip of some sort. No details. Um then his phone was pinged, and it was pinged in Valence, France, where uh, allegedly he was, it was pinged at a uh, train station in Valence. Well, it seems to me that they must have cameras at the train station in Valence. So it seems to me that the authorities in France should be able to at least come up with some sort of video confirmation if Ken DeLand Jr. was actually at the train station at the time that his phone last pinged. It just seems weird if they haven't been able to get any kind of uh, a phone ping or any other information about him for several days. Hopefully, hopefully he'll be found and he'll be okay. But anyway, that's a story about a student from St. John Fisher University in Rochester who hasn't been heard from in several days. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Bob Joseph on WNBF Bingham. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. Here's Kathy White.
The National Weather Service giving us clouds for today. Temperatures only staying into the mid-30s. This morning had a little issue with some patches of freezing precipitation and maybe some freezing fog. Area emergency services officials, though, reported mainly clear but wet roads remaining for the up to three inches of snow that fell in the region through the day on Sunday. There were a few minor crashes reported, but no serious injuries. Some schools, and especially the outlying areas overnight, had decided to give the road crews a little extra time to get conditions in shape for the school buses. While two-hour delays were called in overnight for Gilbertsville, Mount Upton, Elk Lake, Susquehanna County Career and Technology Center, Montrose Area Schools, Susquehanna Community Schools, and Wayne Highlands. And you can always go to this station's website for a list of the closings and delays. While the region got a taste of winter weather and a tease of the possibility of a white Christmas, the forecasters are keeping an eye on what could be a more problematic system later on in the week. The National Weather Service in Binghamton says, quote, a more significant winter storm is possible Thursday and Friday with a potential for an extended period of snow, possibly mixed with rain in the valleys. With this still being several days away. Specific details are uncertain. Details will be fine-tuned as the upcoming week progresses. The Pennsylvania Department of Transportation began preparing roads in the Commonwealth on Saturday afternoon in anticipation of several inches of accumulating snow yesterday. PennDOT was pre-treating the interstates in District 4, including Susquehanna and Wayne counties, but still ended up reducing the speed limits to 45 miles per hour and restricting commercial vehicle traffic on I-81 through Sunday. PennDOT announced the speed limits had been restored and restrictions lifted by 9.50 last night. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has moved Broome, Tioga, Bradford, and Susquehanna counties in the Twin Tiers into the high category for risk of community transmission of COVID-19. Prior to the weekly revision, the CDC had Broome and Tioga counties moving between medium and low risk, but with a designation of the area as being at high risk for transmission now, health officials are encouraging residents to wear masks in indoor settings and crowded outdoor events to avoid spreading the coronavirus's highly contagious variants. This comes as flu cases are spiking in New York as well as RSV that's been sending hundreds of children and older people to the hospital, straining hospital capacities. With the holidays less than two weeks away, residents have little time to get a vaccination or booster for it to become fully effective in protecting against serious illness. Still, residents are urged to seek out pharmacies and vaccination clinics to get COVID and flu shots as soon as possible. The Broome County Health Department says it has received reports of increased suspected drug overdoses during the past few days. There have been a total of 75 suspected overdose deaths in Broome County to date, compared to 54 deaths last year. The Broome County Opioid Awareness Council is encouraging those with substance use disorder to practice harm reduction strategies like never using alone and having Narcan kits available. In addition, the council is encouraging residents to talk to their health care provider about prescribed medications as the nation is seeing a shortage of products, including Adderall. BOAC says it's important to discuss a safety plan with providers if you are not able to get your medication. The felony assault conviction of a man who stabbed two others with a knife during a botched drug deal outside the Johnson City McDonald's almost four years ago will stand. The New York State Supreme Court Appellate Division has upheld the conviction and 10-year prison sentence for 29-year-old Tyler DeCamp, ruling the evidence presented at trial saw sufficient to support the guilty verdicts and the sentence was not excessive. DeCamp stabbed two men on December 20, 2018 and was found guilty of two counts of first-degree assault, tampering with physical evidence, and resisting arrest. The two men were taken to an area hospital for treatment of their wounds. 
After hearing an explosion and seeing a recreational vehicle smoking in the Cardinal Way Cardinal Circle housing development in the town of Union last week, New York State Police are releasing some grainy surveillance photos of possible suspects. A trooper heard a boom just before 5 a.m. last Thursday and found smoke coming from an RV but no flames. The camper did sustain visible damage. What appears to be two men wearing jackets and sneakers are seen on the surveillance photos. Anyone with information is asked to call the state police at 607-561-7400. The WMBF Twin Tiers forecast cloudy today, a high in the mid-30s, gradually becoming clear tonight with a low in the low teens. Sunny on Tuesday with a high again in the mid-30s. This is where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WMBF, WMBF.com and 92.1 FM. Bob Joseph live on a Monday morning. News Radio WNBF taking your phone calls at 607-772. Call in, or if you prefer, send an email. Bob at WNBF.com. We're here to make you happy. That's what WNBF is about. Well, we make you happy and inform you, too. Sometimes the stories may make you unhappy, but sometimes you need to get the information from someplace, and we are a good source of local news and information. On the air, of course, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and online at WNBF.com. Always do our best to keep you in the loop. That's right. It's always good to be in the loop. Here's a developing story right now in northern Broome County. And details are limited, as often is the case for a developing story. So take it for what it's worth the whitney point school district in northern broom county has been informed by police of some sort of safety concern regarding a person outside the school in the community so whitney point school facilities are now in a lockout so students are staying indoors people are not permitted in the school till the officials are notified that the situation has been resolved by the cops so that's all i know it's a situation about someone somewhere in the community. So that doesn't help us. And, you know, are the police, will the police tell us what's going on? I doubt it. So if you're in the Whitney Point area, I guess just because of that information that's been posted to the Whitney Point School District website, I guess if you're in Whitney Point, be on the lookout for an individual outside of the school in the community. That's all I have. If I was in Whitney Point, I would really wish, I really would wish that they would provide some information. It doesn't, I guess it's good that the school district put that on its website. A safety concern regarding an individual outside of the school in the community. So, well, use your discretion. I guess if I was in Whitney Point, I would... I don't know what I would do with that information. 
I will say this. If the police tell us anything about an individual in Whitney Point, we'll let you know. In the meantime, the school is in a lockout. 607-772-1290. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Beverly from the town of Dickinson. Yeah, what's up? Oh, no, nothing. How do you like the snow? How do you think I like it? Probably you don't. I, That's a I good guess. I, I, I do not like the snow. I am sick of it already. It's uh, the novelty is worn off. I want summer, and I want it now. All right. Yeah, and I uh, I have a hard time walking in the snow. So uh, I'm getting uh, one of those tall walkers. Uh, have you seen them? Where you can put your hands on them and walk with them, and they and you can. Uh, uh, you know, you can walk up straight. Oh, yes, I have seen those. So when yeah, when are you going I to get one? Save, I want to save my money. They're about $300. Oh, are they that expensive? I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, have, I have one for, for in the house, but, but this one is to go outside. Oh, are they that expensive? I didn't know. Yeah. Who's that guy on in the background? That's you. I was going to say, it sounds like a, a person with a wonderful radio voice. Yeah, that's you. I like him. I would li- I would listen to that. Yeah, well, well, that's what I do. I get up in the morning, I have my breakfast, and I do what I need to do. And I sit in a chair, uh, sipping my coffee all morning, and... Listen to you. Listen to you people. Well, thank you for making that part of your daily routine. I I really appreciate it. Geez, I've been, I've been doing that for a long time. I mean, even even when Tony Russell was on. Yeah, our listeners are loyal. I I checked with somebody who knows about these things, and she told me that our listeners are the most loyal radio listeners in Binghamton. They're loyal. I, I... I even one time I went to Vegas. And uh, I, uh, we had a radio in our room, and I was going through the channels. And by by darn, I got you guys on the radio. See, we're everywhere. We're everywhere. Of course, it was it was nine o'clock here, but it was six o'clock in the morning out there. Yeah, well, it's I love listening to to stations when I'm out of town to see what's going on. We have a lot of listeners also thanks to the um, Internet and plus with the uh, WNBF app. So they they listen in North Carolina, Florida, South Carolina, Tennessee. We have a lot of listeners now in the South. Right. Which is a good thing because I, you know, the the place where I would like to have even more listeners, though? Where? Texas. We have some listeners in Texas, but not as many as we should have. I want more listeners in Austin, in Dallas, Houston, and even in Crawford. I want I want WNBF's listeners in Texas. We call it the Lone Star State. I want our listeners in Texas to increase substantially in the next year. That's my goal. Yeah. Okay. Well, I hope. I hope Kathy has a nice vacation next week. Oh, I hope she does, too. She deserves it. 
What'd you buy your doggies for Christmas? Oh, probably some kind of treats. They're they're not too picky. If if I could, I would buy them some chocolate bars, but that that is not recommended for dogs. I wish they had some kind of a candy bar for a dog, but the the candy bars that I see out in the stores they're not good for dogs. They they could be um, very dangerous. So I I think I'll just get some uh, dog treats. Uh, you know they they have ice cream for dogs. I saw that. Maybe that's what I'll get them because they've never had canine ice cream. So maybe that's what I'll get them for Christmas. They're in with they're in with the regular ice cream. Right. That people eat. I gotta tell you something funny. Okay. I was I was in Weiss's one day and I said, "Hey, Donald." I said, "Look," I said, "They got a they got ice cream here with a dog's picture on it." And I flipped it over, and I said, oh, my gosh. I, I, I couldn't believe they were for dogs. And I laughed so hard. I think they heard me all over the store because people come, you know, three or four people come over said, what's so funny? I said, read this. Well, I'm going to look into that because my my pups have never had any kind of doggy ice cream so i i think maybe that's one of the gifts they'll get for christmas okay yeah we well, have a good day though all right you too thanks for the call it's 11:18 at news radio wnbf and we uh, certainly welcome you to call in 607-772-1290 i'll be here till noon this is the station that really does get it done oh Oh my gosh. The Binghamton Speedies. I mean, the Binghamton Rumble Ponies have an event coming up. Which means, let's see, January, February, March, April. I think we're only about four months away from baseball in Binghamton. So that's good. They have some kind of a, of a big event with the... They call them the Binghamton Speedies. Remember a few times during the last season, the Binghamton Speedies are on the field. That's the name they used as part of a promotion. They're actually the Rumble Ponies, but it was uh, the uniforms were tastefully done, the Binghamton Speedies. So now they're going to make a presentation about some of the money they, they raised for charity. So, and as I say, baseball must be only... <laughs> baseball is only about four months away so there you go oh here's email from California <laughs> Scotty from California thanks hey Bob you had me in stitches when Beverly called and had her radio on in the background and she said yeah that's you in the background <laughs> yes that was me. Thank you, Scotty, in California. See, I didn't even mention that we have a growing audience in California. I mentioned mainly in the southeast, but we have an audience. I think we have listeners now in every state, thanks to the website and plus the free WNBF app. Jesse from Owego writes, we love Beverly. I never take anything for granted. And right there is a very special, loyal listener and caller. And that's the truth. She's the only one that has earned the 10-second delay echo. And 
I that's what I appreciated about Beverly. She, as she mentioned, she's been listening to WNBF for so many years, back when Tony hosted the show, when it was Talk with Tony. So I don't take any listener for granted. I don't. I don't. And so many of the listeners have developed a, a very nice rapport with all of us here at WNBF over the years. And I think it's great. I think it's great that we live in a town like Binghamton, and we also have a talk program that allows people to call in and just chat. Some people would say, well, why don't you talk always for three hours every day about controversial issues and try to get people riled up? Well, we can do that, but we also can have conversations with listeners and people around the community because that's the type of program this is. That's what makes this program unique. 1122, it's your friend, Bob Joseph, on News Radio, 921 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. The ba- Ten twenty-three in Chicago, nine twenty-three in Denver, eight twenty-three in Malibu. Here in Binghamton, it's eleven twenty-three at News Radio WNBF and WNBF.com. See, Rupert Murdoch is in the news again with his Fox station. The Fox News on the run because they are being sued for $1.6 billion. So, of course, the Fox News is on the run. Well, Rupert Murdoch now will face questions according to NPR's David Folkenflick. He writes, last time Murdoch testified about a scandal involving his company, it played out in public. And, yeah, it was not, it was not good. I won't tell you about the details of the activities involving Fox's media empire in the past. You could look that up online. Right now, though, he has... um, A more pressing problem, Rupert Murdoch, who they say is 91 years old, he's going to have to face the music over a scandal at Fox News. Again, I'm reading from a story written by David Folkenflick at NPR. Dominion Voting Systems filed a $1.6 billion defamation suit against Fox News and the parent company after an array of... Fox hosts and guests promoted the false claims that Dominion threw votes from the then-president, Joe Biden, back in the 2020 elections. Attorneys for Dominion privately questioned Murdoch's elder son, Lachlan, who is now the Fox boss, under oath for hours at an L.A. law firm about a week ago. 
The company wants to find proof Lachlan Murdoch knew that the claims of the election fraud in the 2020 elections were false and that he encouraged or simply allowed them to be broadcast anyway on the big Fox News channel. Fox says it was covering an inherently newsworthy claim from inherently newsworthy sources. So the network contends the lawsuit is an affront to free speech. And it is a concern, even for people who may not be big fans of Fox News Channel, it still is a concern because if Dominion prevails in this case, it could, in fact, have uh, repercussions on the rest of the media. So what does happen in this case is being watched very closely by journalists around the United States. So Dominion's attorneys have accused Fox of destroying evidence from some of its most important figures, including Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram, along with other stars. Dominion is asking a special master in the case to issue an order finding that Fox acted recklessly or with the intent to deprive Dominion of the spoliated information's use in the trial. Now, regular information is bad, but spoliated information is worse. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, that's the first time I've ever used the phrase spoliated information. In fact, to the best of my knowledge, up until 20 seconds ago, I've never uttered the word spoliated. Anyway, now that I know the word, I'll probably be dropping it in on occasion. The company, that's Dominion, asked for sanctions against Fox, which would include legal fees and directing the jury in the upcoming trial that must presume the evidence would have hurt the Fox defense. Anyway, complicated story. Um, and I'll watch it closely. I do seem to recall when Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram and many of the other Fox News stars were talking about Dominion voting, I certainly recall thinking they'd better watch out or else they're going to be hit with a big lawsuit. And turns out that's exactly what happened. They were hit with a $1.6 billion lawsuit. So we'll see how this plays out as the legal case goes forward. 11:29 WNBF. We lost a call. Somebody was uh, prepared to talk. Probably someone who wanted to tell me a thing or two about Rupert Murdoch. So if you were just on the line, feel free to call back. 607-772-1290. Or, if you prefer, an email would be nice. Bob at WNBF.com. In case you weren't aware, the one and only Sean Hannity will be on this afternoon here on WNBF from 3 to 6. I'll tune in, see if he has anything to say about this lawsuit. My guess is Hannity won't say a word about the Dominion voting lawsuit today because I suspect his attorney has advised him not to say anything. I mean, she would, she would probably tell her client, Sean, Nothing, not a single word about this lawsuit. If anybody is going to say anything about this lawsuit, I'll be the one. So he probably is not going to mention it, but that 
doesn't mean I won't be listening this afternoon at 3.06 because you never know. It's Sean Hannity, so he may ignore her advice. 11.30, Bob Joseph live on News Radio, WNBF 92.1 FM, 12.90 AM, and always available on the free WNBF app. The number is 607-772-1290. Don't forget that number, 607-772-1290. We invite you to participate in this radio program as opposed to some other (laughs) knockoff show operated by pretenders. What? Chrissy Hind has a show? Really? Let me uh, take a look. You mentioned earlier about this mysterious situation in Whitney Point. Hmm. Well, the Whitney Point School District still has a message posted on top of its homepage, website homepage which said as of 10.05, they had been informed by the cops of a safety concern regarding someone outside of the school in the community. So the Whitney, uh, Whitney Point school facilities are in a lockout, so students will stay indoors and people won't be allowed in the school until they hear otherwise from the police. So that's all I know. If you're in Whitney Point, give me a call. If you know anything about what's going on, Here's uh, another uh, note by email. A guy named Gary writes regarding the Fox News. I seriously doubt that any of the Fox News hosts will discuss the Dominion case. Their policy when there is negative news is immediately to talk about that guy's laptop. Yeah, that's kind of what I figured. Instead of tonight from 8 to 11 instead of talking about the Dominion voting lawsuit 1.6 billion dollar lawsuit against Fox News Channel to probably have three hours of laptop coverage exclusive laptop revelations it is good to see that so many people think it's somehow appropriate in this country for people to be using information from someone's personal laptop and putting it out in the news. Just, you wouldn't expect in a great country like the United States of America that people could get away with putting the contents of anyone's laptop on the news, but that's what's going on. If it was happening in some other country, if this was going on in North Korea or Cuba or Russia or even Canada, 
if the news organizations were putting out information that was obtained from one of those national leaders um, a family member's laptop we in this country would probably be saying wow they have no respect for anyone's privacy WNBF good morning you're on the air what's your first name where are you calling from DJ calling from the lovely Binghamton New York how you doing Bob good what's up well I went to the uh, Shenango Park. It was it was originally called Shenango, and then they somebody somebody said Ashenango, and it became Ashenango. I forget, maybe I got that backwards. But you can ask the uh, the um, Broome County historian Roger Luther about that. But it was. But anyway, so we drove around, right? And if it had if I had to pay twenty five dollars, I would have been. You know, out of my gourd, but I got it free. My friend had a uh, veteran's discount card from her late husband. So I did not see a pig in that police car, but I am going to go there today sometime and look and see. And if that's the case, that should not be. Well, I found uh, I found it hard to believe, but I, since I haven't been there, I can't, I can't comment specifically on, on the assertion. It just seems, it seems improbable. You should go check it out. But anyway, I'm not gonna go check it out. I, I have other things to do. I, I mean, me now. I mean, right after the show. Anytime. Oh, okay. I I mean, I thought you meant tonight when there's a big traffic jam. I can't, I can't be caught up in a traffic jam tonight. I got stuff there, to do. I have people to see. There was not a traffic jam when we went, and it's it's worth about five bucks. The the, the Christmas lights festival of Christmas lights or whatever they call it is not worth more than five dollars. A bunch of lights, uh, you know. There's no, it's not a festival, but I think it was five bucks, wasn't it, Bob? When it first started, I don't know. I, I went there uh, two years ago. I, it seemed like two years ago it was about ten dollars. I, I I don't remember for certain, but the only time I ever went was two years ago, and I I liked it. I liked it, and I drove around, and I uh, actually I didn't drive. A friend drove so I could take pictures, and I thought it was—I uh, thought it was the darndest thing. They had uh, colorful lights, and it was festive. <laughs> it reminded me a lot of the holidays, which is weird because it was in December. But I so think it was—it uh, seems like it was about ten dollars when I went. But I—I I don't know. It's free for the veterans, and you can get the same thing. I, I ride around Crary and uh, Matthews and Upper Helen and Riverside Drive. It's beautiful over there. That's my side of town. That's my west side. So, you know, to each his own, but... You know what I thought they ought to do is, um, if they're going to be getting people in there at Otsenango Park, why don't they sell speedies? Like, wouldn't it be nice if they would sell lamb speedies as you go, went through, you'd come come in, you'd pay your uh, admission fee, then you you would proceed to the speedy order window, then you'd go up <laughs> to the speedy delivery thing, and they would have it all done with uh, space-age precision, and you could get your speedies and moxie, then you'd have your speedies and moxie while you drove around looking at the holiday lights. What do you think of that? I totally agree, and they should they, they should have moxie available as well exactly exactly and moxie light for the kids because you don't want the kids to have too many calories right all right well thanks for uh the insight 
Yeah, I might go tonight. I would think Monday night is probably a better night. Probably won't be as crowded as on the weekend. Then I can go. We should have WNBF night over there. We could have WNBF night, and then all WNBF listeners would be eligible to get a $1 speedies. Wouldn't that be a great promotion? I'll have to, I have to mention that someday to see if someone would support the idea. WNBF night. Enjoy a $1 speedy for everybody in your car, plus a $1 moxie. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Chris Binghamton. Hey, Chris. What's up? Good morning, Bob. How was your weekend? Oh, it was fantastic. It was fantastic. I loved it. I had a great weekend. I, I did also. So I spent a little time uh, catching up on this uh, Twitter fiasco. Seems like uh, there was quite a few connected people in uh, working for Twitter that were realistically suppressing speech on a lot of people, including, you know, the New York Times. Could you, could you imagine somebody just shutting down a newspaper to report, you know, somebody's email, you know, around a uh, presidential election? It's no, I didn't think it was the New York Times. I thought it was the New York Post. One of those. One of those. Yeah, it was the New York Post that had the bombshell about the laptop. That's the the paper you're referencing. It was the New York Times who told us about the 51 lying intelligence agencies. Oh, that. Right? Okay, I thought you were talking about the New York Post bombshell about Hunter Thompson. They to us. They told us that that the laptop that you're talking about a couple moments ago was totally 100% made up and not true. But what we find out, it is very true, very relevant. The only, the only disturbing thing that I find is, is that, you know, the freedom of press, the suppression of the truth, you know, the fraudulent in nature. I mean, they literally censored stories, you know, like ABC, NBC, CBS. Remember, remember CBS told Donald Trump he was, there was, there was, I can't believe that. It wasn't credible that, you know, the, the laptop wasn't true. It's a laptop that keeps giving, but if you don't pay attention to it, I guess some may think it'll go away. Well, I'm not saying it's going to go away. The question still is that it's a complete invasion of um, Hunter's privacy. I mean, if you're, if you're going to start uh, prying into people's laptops, what kind of a country is this? Or they put that kind of stuff on the front page of uh, America's most popular tabloids. How about this? How about your common sense would be so frail that you wouldn't pick up a laptop that was destroyed from your whatever you got on it, you know, that you wouldn't literally pick it up with such gifted information that most people um, ignored? Well, I think... I think Hunter is going to have a, a big legal case on his hands eventually. He's liable to win more money than Dominion Voting. Dominion Voting could win this case about the um, false reports regarding the 2020 election, but Hunter could wind up making more money from the people who started disseminating his laptop and his innermost secrets. So the suppression of the truth... Wait a second. Wait a second. You... You ignored a very serious assertion that Hunter's privacy was invaded by people who improperly disseminated his personal information. 
Well, the only reason why we found out is because he didn't pick up his laptop. I know the story. I'm not oblivious. You know, I, I've been paying attention to this from the beginning. And again, the point that needs to be reinforced and emphasized is it was nobody's business what was on his laptop. It was his laptop. It was his property. So every time they do a story about it, it's stolen property that's being used to sell papers. All right, so all of our major news channels. Wait a second. So you have no response to Hunter's privacy being invaded and his private information being used by the New York Post and other news organizations to make a buck. You would, you would think that, that a commonsensical person... All right. Apparently, apparently we're having communications difficulties. He's unable to hear what I'm saying. 1145 WNBF, good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? This is Vinny from Binghamton. Are you able to hear me, Vinny? We're having some phone problems this morning where I can hear the caller clearly, but the caller is unable to hear what I'm saying. Can you hear me now? Bob, I can hear you crystal clear. Great. It must be that bad phone line. If uh, if Chris hadn't called on that bad phone line, he would have been able to hear what I was saying about Hunter's privacy being invaded. Can you hear me now about my assertion that the information that people stole from Hunter Biden's laptop is um, is being disseminated illegally? <laughs> yes. Yes, I can hear you. Okay, can just testing the lines. You, you you don't have to talk about it because I, I suspect that's not why you called. What's on your mind? No, I, I wanted to talk about the senator from Arizona. Oh, her again. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. I mean, and I know you have something to say, but I just want to say... She loves the attention. I think she loves the attention even more than the former guy. That's what I think. I think it's as much as everything is about the former guy, I think take that times 10, and that's the story of the senator from Arizona. Yes. I mean, I, you know what I was thinking about? Especially when I, I saw the interview when she's sitting there talking to, I think, um, I think it was a CNN, and she's like, "Look, I want to. I, I, I represent the people of Arizona." And I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute!" There's a lot of people who voted for you because you were a Democrat. They voted for you for your ideas. The Democratic Party gave you tons of money that could have probably went elsewhere. If you want to run as an independent, that's fine. But you run in the beginning as an independent. You know, you don't run as a Republican or a Democrat and then get there and change. You don't do that. And it's like you're just looking at it. And it's like, boy, I'll tell you, this, <laughs> this, this is this is the problem once again. And Bob, I swear to God, it always comes from the top. It's these leaders in our country and how what a just the BS that they do, all about themselves, and it's just nonsense. And you and she said, "Well, I can't do a Democratic Party." Okay, you need to go talk to Joe Manchin. Okay. Well, she and Joe ought to form their own party called exactly. the, the Party. Oh, no. Actually, she and Joe Manchin and the former guy all ought to form a party about people who are totally self-centered and selfish. Well, my point is, as far as the Democratic Party goes, we can take an AOC. 
over there on the left. And we can take a, a, a guy like Joe Manchin, which is the middle to the, going to the, uh, to the right. That's, the, that's our party. And that's what Joe Manchin was talking about. He goes, geez, I thought we were getting a little coalition here, and, you know, we don't have to go. But she's gone. He said, now she's an independent. And it's like, oh, for crying out loud. Well, we got three independent senators. I think that's all there is. Just three. Her, uh, the Bernie, um, I can't remember. The King is in there. And there's somebody else. And Angus. All. Angus. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's it. Well, you know, it's, I will say this about Senator Cinema. I wish her all the best in all her future endeavors. But I will say also, parenthetically, even though you didn't ask, I don't believe she really belongs in the U.S. Senate. I think she should go get a job with some of the corporate interests that she has represented since she became a member of the Senate. I think she would be more comfortable serving as a lobbyist or in some other capacity as opposed to being a representative, ostensibly a representative of the people of the great state of Arizona. I, I agree. I agree. After this, after this charade, after this nonsense you just did, you're going to sit there and talk to us. And well, I feel that I can, I can vote. You already have. Was it 93 percent with Joe Biden? The Republicans don't want you. You saw what they did to Liz Cheney, and she voted more with Trump than a lot of them. Yeah. No, that's absolutely right. She's going to be uh, truly. She's going to be a senator without a base anywhere in Arizona. Yeah, she'll have probably uh, a few people, relatively few in Arizona, who still like her for whatever reason. I mean, at first, before I got to know how she operated, at first I thought that she truly was and going to be an independent voice for the people of Arizona. I thought maybe it might be a good thing. Maybe even in the a tradition of John McCain, who, as a Republican senator, sometimes was viewed as a person with some independence. But Senator Cinema, she certainly is no John McCain. It's 11.50. Bob Joseph, WNBF. Seven fifty-three. Bob Joseph live on WNBF. Chuck and Appalachian. Good morning. You're on the air. Good morning. Uh, I have a question. Um, well, you can't answer it, but I'm sixty-five years old. All these years, I've been watching the Army and Navy football game, and I have never seen an Army and Navy game where the president never showed up for that game, and Mr. Biden never showed up for it. Well, presidents don't. Well, presidents don't always show up for it. It's not. It's not like it's mandatory. I, Come on, man. No, but you make it. I, you make it sound like there. You make it sound like there's something wrong with Joe Biden because he wasn't there. No, I can't say there's anything wrong with Joe Biden. I mean, I just want to know why he's not there. You know, this is our country. You're standing for. You know, you let some girl you get. Um, a drug addict and stuff that should not have been released. You know, we we should have fought for our Marine to get out of there first, especially with the kind of trade he did. Yeah, well, what about Donald Trump when he didn't go? So no, did did you did did you did you find it distasteful? Yeah, he he did not go. He did not go in 2017. So were you 
griping about it on this program when Trump didn't go in 2017? I think not. No, I was not. Um, I mean, I'm not going to vote for Trump either. But yeah, no, I no, think the, we can do better. No, you raise a good question. Now, just between you and me, if I was president, I would have been there because I, I kind of like it's. It's not every year, but it is something of a tradition, and most presidents typically typically do go. But I just wanted to point out that Trump didn't at least once. And as far as why President Biden was there, I, I don't know why he didn't go there. But I'll just say, if it were me, if I was president and I didn't have a, a pressing good reason, and maybe a, a Joe Biden had a good reason, but I would have been there soon. But that's... Yeah, I, yeah. I would have been there, too. Yeah, but. that's... You know, but maybe there was some other reason. I I didn't even realize, but uh, so, yeah, most presidents do try to attend, but uh, I don't know why Joe Biden wasn't there this year. But thanks for letting me know. Uh, no problem. Have a good one. Thanks, Chuck. Yeah, I didn't even know about it, but now I do, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look into that. Bob Joseph, WNBF. They're big. just occurred to me why Joe Biden probably didn't go to the Army-Navy game. He probably figured he wouldn't be well-received. That's just a theory. But I think it's a pretty good theory that he probably figured why go if he likely was going to be booed while at the game. So that's just a, a thing that occurred to me. But I could be wrong. Maybe... Maybe there was something urgent that he had to attend to. Anyway, that's our program for today. We'll do it all again tomorrow. Thank you for listening. I'm Bob Joseph. Hope you have a great afternoon. You're listening to News Radio, WNBF, Binghamton.